0: Before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this week's Torah portion includes a very difficult episode about the death of Nadav and Avihu. And in the south, you say Nadab. Is that right? Nadab? Man. In the, and Abihu. How do, you, how do you say his name in the south? Avihu, okay. Well, close. I think if you called him Nadab, he wouldn't answer. <laughs> but these two guys were sons of Aaron, the high priest, And they had seen an amazing event which is described in Leviticus 9. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Leviticus 9 verse 22. And let's look at a few verses here that's really about an incredible moment of worship and praise to the Lord. Starting in verse 22, Aaron raised his hands toward the people and he blessed them and then he came down from having offered the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. Then Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting. They came out, and they blessed the people. Now here's where it gets so awesome, because they've now done what God has said to do as he said to do it, with the right heart and the right attitude. And it says, then the glory of the Lord was visible to all the people. Everyone who was gathered there could see... What is normally invisible, the glory, the the heavy majesty of God. Verse 24, it gets more intense. And then fire came forth from the presence of the Lord. And it consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Sounds like a charismatic revival of some sort. (laughs) Run amok, maybe. But it's an amazing moment, isn't it? Everyone has this sense the Lord is present with us and we have expressed our worship to him and he's come down and and with fire he's consumed the, the offering. It reminds me of when Elijah was praying and calling down the fire of the Lord. So the people see this and they shout all together and they fall on their faces. So if you think that that Jewish worship is exclusively inward and and quiet and meditative, this gives you another picture, doesn't it? Now after this incredible moment, Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, uh, these young priests decide to offer sacrifices of their own. That they haven't been told to offer, they they assert themselves in a way that uh, that is inappropriate, and it's beyond inappropriate. It, it crosses a line that God Himself recognizes as a line that cannot be crossed. They offer what's called in Hebrew, eszarah, strange fire. Some translations say unauthorized fire, but strange. It, it's 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 foreign to the Lord. He looks at it and says, this has nothing to do with me. This is not clean worship. And this is a serious moment because it's been a moment of such outpouring and an experience of the holiness of God. The people have given their offerings to the Lord for sin, for for peace and and the burnt offerings, and they've been sincere in saying, Lord, we, we need your mercy We need your forgiveness. We need your help. And the the Spirit of God is moved by their good attitude and their heart, their obedience, their sincerity. And so this is really a holy moment. And now, these two sons of Aaron, who are legitimate in that they have been appointed to serve as priests, but they move in a way that is not legitimate. And they, well let's read about it, Leviticus chapter 10. Then Nadav and Avihu, sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized or strange fire before the Lord. Something he had not commanded them to do. At this fire came forth. But notice how different it is. Fire came forth from the presence of the Lord and consumed them so that they died in the presence of the Lord. I've seen some commentators try to put a nice spin on this. There isn't a nice spin. This is an awkward story. What kind of God are we serving? Well, this caused Nadav and Avihu their lives. Fire came down from the Lord. It consumed them, not the sacrifices. The sacrifices were not acceptable to the Lord. In in fact, they were abhorrent to the Lord. It reminds me of the conflict between Cain and Abel and the two sacrifices they offered. This can cause you to think about some other situations where sacrifice wasn't accepted or it was It was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, there are sometimes when the prophets bring a word from the Lord to Israel "I'm, I'm sick of your sacrifices. None of them is acceptable to me because what I desire is a contrite heart and a broken heart before the Lord. And the Lord says, I desire obedience more than I want sacrifice. So there is another passage which is in the New Testament that we're going to look at in Acts chapter 4. And it follows a form that's similar to the passages we just read. First there's this incredible uh, expression of faith and mercy and the grace of God. And then it's followed by something else. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 4. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. That's incredible, isn't it? You know, we have a saying among the Jewish people, two Jews, three opinions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That also is amazing. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua. You see, this fact, this historical fact, that Yeshua had been executed after having been tortured, and then he was buried, and then he rose from the dead, this was the powerful evidence of what God was doing. Without this, the message was incomplete or even impossible. The victory over over death helped emphasize that Yeshua had become the perfect sacrifice. That his death was not a tragedy and it wasn't just a travesty. It was part of the work of God to accomplish what God himself had to do because no one could do it but God. Which is to make a sacrifice that could atone for the sins of all of us. And you look around and you see some nice people sitting next to you. You might want to smile at one of them if you like them. But each one of us falls short of the glory of God. Each one of us sins. Each one of us goes our own way. We do what's right in our own heart more than we would like to acknowledge. The penalty that we deserve actually fell upon Yeshua. And when he died that wasn't the end. That was just the middle. Because he rose from the dead, and that wasn't just the end, but that was a turning point. It was a turning point that, that changed everything. So with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. Say that with me. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them at work in them all so that there were no needy persons among them. Okay. Now actually there were needy persons among them. What it means is that the needy were helped so that the needy didn't stay in that condition of neediness. For from time to time Those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That was amazing. This this generosity, this sense of, of concern and care was never duplicated outside of Jerusalem and outside of that moment. In fact when you read the book of Acts you'll see that for instance the Apostle Paul um, and beyond the book of Acts the Apostle Paul was reluctant to receive any financial support whatsoever when he went out among the nations because he thought that they would get their, their motives would get confused. Their attitudes would be all mixed up. And in fact, he, he, he couldn't receive normal financial support because of that. We're here in Jerusalem at this moment. Everyone is going so far beyond norms, beyond what would be expected or could be expected. And people are willing to treat Others, other believers, the same way they would treat their mishpocha, their family, they would say, well, if you have need, I'm going to take care of you because you're my family. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we've now just read about this extraordinary outpouring of grace, of faith, of love, of mercy, of kindness, of generosity, of sharing. Incredible, and it's a holy moment. You can't get people to do this. You can't make people do this. You can't even inspire people to do this. It was something that was born out of the holiness of God, changing people's hearts, changing motivations, stirring up what was beyond imagination and beyond duplication. If you said, well, let's try to create this again, how are you going to do it? Are you going to create a communist world, a socialist world? What are you going to do, tax people to get their money? Force it? No. This was born out of generosity. This was not the tithe. I want you to get this. This wasn't the tithe, with what, which was a commanded offering. This was a, uh, a spontaneous kind of free will offering where people were saying, I see the needs, I've got the stuff, what's mine is yours. Now that's very different from the taxation mentality which says what's yours is mine. So here's this extraordinary positive, exceptional moment. That's the positive part of the story. Believers were moved with such gratitude and generosity that they had extraordinary concern for the well-being of others and they didn't look on their wealth as simply private. They took the idea of wealth um, to a higher level. You know, all along the scriptures teach us that God is the one who gives us the power to gain wealth. And that everything that we have that's good has been a blessing from him that we've received from him. And that we should never have so much that we become proud and think, I provided for myself. I did everything in my own power. But they took the idea of tzedakah. Say this Hebrew word with me. Tzedakah. It's a word that means justice. We read about it in in the scriptures from last week. It means justice on one hand. It means righteousness on the other hand. But it also means charity as well. Because the giving of charity for the poor was considered a matter of justice. It's, it's, it's required of us, it it's, has a voluntary side to it, but it's required of us. An example of this uh, is, is in the law about uh, the reaping of a harvest, which had several um, requirements. One was you cannot reap the corners of your field. You have to leave that for the poor, for the orphan, for the widow, and for the immigrant, for the oppressed, for those who who are in need and don't have the status and they don't have family that is providing for them. And then there was another rule which was that after you go through the field there will be some things that are left and the poor are allowed to come in and glean from the field and to take what they need from the gleanings they're allowed to do that it's not trespassing and it's not a matter of whether you want personally to do this or not whether you as the landowner you might say well I own the land, true, and I sowed the seed and paid for it, and I paid for the labor, and we did all the backbreaking work. And the Lord says, True, but the whole earth belongs to me, and so you're a tenant. And for that reason, you loan to me, consider it a loan to God, when you are generous to the poor, because I'll take it that way. I'll be appreciative, the Lord says. But the Lord required it. Well, what if you didn't feel like it? It was still the rule of the land. It was a matter of justice. It was a matter of equity. This is necessary so that none would starve. So that everyone could have something to eat. But the believers took this idea to a higher level and to an exceptional level. And they would sell their property And their valuables. they bring the proceeds to the apostles in order to provide for other believers who were in need. And they considered the needy believers as if they were their own mishpocha, their own family that they actually cared for. Now, let's go to the negative side of the story. There was one couple named, in in Greek, Ananias and Sapphira. In, in Hebrew, Ananias' name was Hanania. Say that with me. Hananiah. And Hananiah means grace from God. Undeserved merit and favor from the Lord. So when people would greet him and they'd say, Shalom, Hanania it wasn't just a name, they were saying Shalom, grace is from the Lord. Can you imagine? That was his name. His wife's name was Sapphira which was from a Hebrew word for sapphire uh, or lapis lazuli perhaps and uh, gemstones and precious stones it could be used for. So, so one was named grace if you will, God's grace, or grace of the Lord, and the other was named Sapphire. And they decided to sell some property that they had, and to bring it to the apostles. But here's the rub. They wanted other people to think that they were being moved out of generosity the same way the others had been, that we just read about. And they wanted to give the false impression that they were bringing all the proceeds. Now, they didn't have to bring the proceeds, they didn't have to bring any of it. They could have brought any portion that they wanted or none at all. But here's the thing they wanted to be viewed in a way that was a lie. And so they held back some of the proceeds. And then they agreed to lie about it and to say that they're bringing the full amount. Because they saw how awesome it was that people were being moved to do this. And they said, well, let's us sell something and bring it to the apostles. But you can see how their motivation was very different. They weren't concerned for the well-being of others. They weren't being stirred by the Lord. They were looking for some kind of status, perhaps. Perhaps. And they were willing to lie to themselves because at the end of the day they knew what they had done. But they wanted to be perceived as if they were bringing the full amount. It would have been okay for them to keep some because it was theirs to do as they saw fit. But they wanted to give the impression that they were more generous than they really were at a time when the holiness of God was producing grace and mercy and kindness and generosity as, uh, as a response from the people. And they were trying to get in on that purely from a status point of view. Let's read about it in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, that's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Hananiah, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And so he was going through the motions, you know, like, we just sold the property and here's all our money from that. And Peter says, Canaanite, How is it that Hasitan has filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings but to God. When Hanania heard this he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. This whole episode is really bizarre. The next detail is an example. Then some young men came forward, they wrapped up his body, they carried him out and they buried him. His wife doesn't even know. She didn't attend a funeral. About three hours later his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Hanania got for the land? And she said, "Yet that's the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they'll carry you out also. Holy smokes. Strange, isn't it? At that moment, she fell down at his feet and she died. The young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole community of faith and anybody who heard about these events. No kidding. So these two episodes, first in Torah and the second in the book of Acts, they're given to us, we're made aware of this in order to learn something, to instruct us, to touch our hearts and our minds. And so I want to encourage you to ponder these two stories and see how the Lord can use them to, to strengthen your own resolve to be generous and gracious and full of love and faith. And ponder that. I I can't make easy lessons out of this. These are not easy stories. But when you put them together and you see how the holiness of God was being manifest and worship was rising up from the people and great faith was rising up, and then these two young men take things in a wrong direction. You see how the Lord is preserving something. And then the, how, how grace and generosity and, 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 and mercy are revealing themselves in the community of faith, the followers of Yeshua, who are so thankful for the resurrection of Yeshua, and so thankful for forgiveness and for transformation, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So thankful that they don't even consider the normal boundaries of private property to apply to them. They're willing to be generous far beyond what even makes sense. It's hard to, you can't teach people this. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 50, verse 14, make thankfulness your sacrifice to the Lord and keep the vows you made to the most high. That's a good word, isn't it? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. You see, it all starts with love, and then love expresses itself with gratitude and thanksgiving. Make that your sacrifice, thankfulness. It'll knit everything else together and keep it right. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Sometimes, in moments of mercy and the outpouring of God's grace in our lives, we we promise God something. Have you ever done that? You promise the Lord something, and then later on, when you come to your senses, you say, "What was I thinking?" And the answer is, when you promised, you were thinking clearly. It's later that you were struggling. But if you'll make thankfulness your sacrifice, then you can keep the vows you made to the most high. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, therefore let us offer through Yeshua a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. That's the other detail that's so important. Keep offering that sacrifice of praise to the Lord and keep proclaiming your loyalty to him. Keep lifting up the name of Yeshua. Don't be afraid of how people are going to react to you. Of course, some people will think you're crazy. That's fine. Uh, There's no way to avoid that. Some people will think you're extreme. That's the way it is. Some people will think you're naive. Other people will think you're just stupid. Don't worry about any of that. Some people will think you're sincere. And some people will hear your testimony of God's faithfulness and it will stir faith in them. And your experience with God will become the beginning of their experience with God. Those are the ones to pay close attention to. Focus on them, and things will go well with you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you pour out your mercy upon us. You pour out your grace upon us. And we want to love you with all that we are and all that we have. We want to continually bring our praises to you and our gratitude to you. Let it be, Lord, that that we train ourselves in being grateful, that we train ourselves in expressing thanksgiving about you to other people. That we tell other people about your mercy, your goodness, and your faithfulness. Let it be that we proclaim Messiah Yeshua. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts would also be so open to you that we don't, we don't just behave in typical ways, but we behave in extraordinary ways. And That our hearts are willing to, to care and to be concerned about others in the way that you're concerned about us. And let the love that you show us be the model for the love that we show other people. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And if you're standing by yourself, if you don't mind just moving over a few steps to someone else so that neither of you is alone.